Welcome to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal. We examine things like habits of entrepreneurs, emerging trends, financing, marketing, where to get help, even how to get started on your own. And by the way, I like hearing from small business owners and employees. Let's get your company on this podcast. Send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. That's gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. We'll spend 15 minutes on the phone talking about your business. Today's stories, how North Carolina struggles to entice new business to rural communities despite an easy sell to its cities, and how a struggling couple in Hawaii became millionaires by making their own musical instruments. You don't often find the words business and friendly in the same sentence, let alone the same state, unless, of course, you're talking about Michigan. Michigan's business-friendly practices help to become a leader in industries that range from agribusiness and cybersecurity to aerospace and defense. In fact, Michigan is ranked among the top 10 states for major new and expanded facilities, which makes Michigan more than business-friendly. It makes Michigan business-smart. To learn more, visit michiganbusiness.org, because helping business grow is pure Michigan. In North Carolina, the economic challenges are geographic. The state can readily lure business to its fast-growing cities, but struggles to sell its vast rural territory. A look at the differences from Wall Street Journal national reporter Valerie Borline, who's based in Raleigh. Valerie, set this up. It's true that North Carolina is one of those places, it's not unique, but it's an extreme example, where the cities are really booming. So Charlotte and Raleigh and North Carolina, our biggest cities, have uh, really thrived, especially since the recession. And yet, North Carolina is one of the most rural places in the country after Texas. So there's a, a vast amount of the, the 100 counties, 86 of them or so, that really are not growing at the same, anywhere close to the same rate. And it, it creates a real um, philosophical and kind of practical problem for the state. All right, so I, I know you, you pointed out the cities are doing well, but explain, I guess, how like the rural countryside is trying to I don't know, like dust itself off and start attracting some of these business or corporations or plants or whatever because they've suffered a couple of losses lately. That's right. In North Carolina, when you think about it, the, the industries that were, were big a generation ago, tobacco, textiles, and furniture, and those were really the drivers of, of the rural economy in North Carolina. And all three of those have, have withered for different reasons. So you have, you know, vast spots of the state where the what used to be the backbone of the local economy is not that anymore. And so um, the state is really trying to figure out, well, we have infrastructure in places, for example, a place that used to make furniture will have, you know, a lot of access to water, a lot of good access to roads because of the, the types of things that were required before. Mm. So the state has really been trying to leverage that and, and sell the workforce there that already knows about manufacturing. But it's tough. I mean, manufacturing jobs, new ones, are, are they're out there, but they're not anywhere near as many as there were in the past. You know, what surprised me in your story was the idea or the fact that in some of those rural locations, they're not near a gas line, and that's a huge turnoff for companies that might want to relocate. I had never even considered that. Well, if you think about um, the geography of the, so the southern east coast, especially east of I-95, you're looking at some pretty remote areas um, that used to be farm country, and they're still pretty spread out. And yeah, there's, there are parts of the eastern part of North Carolina that really are far from a natural gas pipeline. There's, there's one in discussion and kind of under development with Dominion and Duke Energy, 
um, coming south from Pennsylvania through Virginia. But there have been some environmental questions and some, some political questions about whether that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's still not a done deal in North Carolina. Wow. We're speaking with Wall Street Journal national reporter Valerie Borline. She's based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and her piece is about that state and how it's struggling to draw business to its countryside. What about uh, workforce training programs? Didn't you say there's uh, kind of been an effort to improve the potential worker in some of those areas? There, there is a there is an emphasis on workforce training, and I think um, one of the things, uh, one of the, the the news pegs or the drivers of the piece was that North Carolina made a big play for a joint Toyota Mazda plant a couple of weeks ago and came in second, really, to Alabama, which already had a access to the Toyota supply chain because there was a lot of automotive development down in that part of the world. But B, um, to a lesser degree, Alabama had a workforce that's very familiar with automotives, right? Mm-hmm. And have been have been making them for a number of years. So North Carolina is really trying to look at what its, you know, enormous community college system is doing to to train workers and then also on the high school level are matching up the jobs that could drive the local economy mm. uh, with the education that the kids are getting. Because tax breaks have not been enough, right? I mean, North Carolina has tried to, I guess, has has tried to have been aggressive as possible. And recently they have. and But you'll remember that um, the Republicans uh, took over the government in North Carolina in 2012 after a long period of Democratic rule. And many of the fiscal conservatives in the state were really lukewarm on incentives, and some still really are. There, there's mixed reviews about how effective they are in terms of, of, of you know, juice for the squeeze. But, um, but the, the Republicans in leadership have come around, especially for luring big manufacturing to rural areas. Less so big tech companies to Raleigh and the Research Triangle, but more so for, the, for, for manufacturing in the rural areas. Thanks, Valerie. Wall Street Journal national reporter Valerie Borline from Raleigh, North Carolina. How does a couple go from struggling to make ends meet to become millionaires? Good story from CNBC.com about Joe and Kristen Souza of Hawaii. Earlier in their marriage, Kristen stayed home to watch their newborn while Joe went to work as a fireman. Resolving to become more financially secure, in 1998, they decided to start a business crafting and selling ukuleles. Kanile a ukulele was the business that was born. Their handcrafted ukuleles are made from koa trees, a plant indigenous to Hawaii. The early days were a struggle. They began over $10,000 in the red, set back by investing their savings into the machinery they needed, like sanders and saws. But after a few years, the business began to turn a small profit. By 2015, sales came to $2.2 million, and gross profit amounted to seven hundred grand. Last year, sales topped $2.4 million. Profit margins were helped by using their own koa trees as materials for the instruments, they have bought two properties full of koa trees to further increase profit margins. Reminder, by the way, the Small Business Report is found on our website, which is This Morning with GordonDeal.com, as well as on places like iTunes and SoundCloud. Those are also places where you can hear our daily news program called This Morning, America's First News. Again, if you'd like to share your small business story, I'd like to hear it. Send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. That's gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal.